Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Jesus, you are the holy and anointed one. Father, we come before you this morning giving you all glory and all honor and all praise. Lord, only you are worthy. Father, your word says that if we seek you, we'll find you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal truth this morning, the truth of who you are as we hear your word, Lord, that we might find you when we seek you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. Thinking during the the worship, there was a passage in Job chapter 38 that I'd included in the message, but we all, Pastor John and I talk about how we always edit, edit, edit. Uh, you might not think so when you hear our messages, but we <laughs> like the, that we do edit them. But yeah, they're, they're, this is the edited down version that you get. But I was going to share some passages from Job 38, but I, that was part that I edited out. And that first song that Megan sang, that's really where all those words come from, is that conversation that God has with Job about how uh, great and awesome and indescribable and indescribable that he is. And that's uh, the, this two-message series that we're on that we started last week and we're going to finish up this morning is indescribable. And we looked at how indescribable, how infinite and how incomprehensible our God is. I shared with you a quote last week from A.W. Tozer's book, Knowledge of the Holy, and we're going to look at it again. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I hope that you had some time uh, this past week to to pray and ponder on what your thoughts are uh, about God. Last Sunday, we also talked about that uh, the pendulum pendulum effect that we see in society where things swing from one extreme to another and that happens in our societies, it happens in our culture and it also happens in the church and our focus was on the shift in our thoughts about God in the church. Throughout history the church has gone back and forth between extremes on our views or thoughts about God and His holiness and righteousness on one hand and His grace and mercy and love on the other hand. And if we go to one extreme, God is unapproachable. If we go to the other extreme, He really doesn't matter. Because you can take the grace and mercy and love so far that it doesn't matter who you believe in, what you believe, or if you believe in anything at all, because He's a loving God that's going to accept everybody in the end, so He really doesn't matter. And my prayer is that we will all examine our thoughts about God and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal any thought that we have about Him that is not true. I also pray that we will allow Him to reveal the truth about who He is and how we are to walk in a relationship with Him. I believe that many, if not most, of the church currently have a low or casual view of God. And those outside of the church uh, certainly do, if they have any thought about Him at all. The U.S. uh, studies are saying and and surveys are saying that the U.S. is a post-Christian culture, which it's a fancy way of saying there's more people that don't believe in God than do. 
Thankfully, God does not depend on the opinions of humanity. He's not an elected politician that's concerned about the next election. Romans 3.4 says, Let God be true and every man a liar. If we took a vote throughout the entire earth and 100% of humanity was in perfect agreement on rejecting God or that He even exists, He would still be the King of kings and Lord of lords. He would still be true. He would still be righteous. He would still be holy. He would still be God. Our opinion doesn't change one iota about who He is. But the enemy has done a really good job of deceiving people to believe there either is no God or if they believe in Him, to have false views about Him. And it's amazing how he can convince us of almost anything. Even just ridiculous lies. We can believe almost anything if we can just find one or two other people who will agree with us. Because we can't all be wrong, can we? But the truth is, is if we are all wrong, it doesn't make us right. If all humanity believes in a lie, God is still true. In a moment, we're going to look at some passages that reveal the truth about who God is. And I pray that it will help us to elevate our thoughts about God and what comes to our mind when we think about God. But before we do that, I want us to look at one of the methods that Satan has used to get us to either lower our view about God or to not believe in Him at all. Satan tells us that if we can't understand something, then we can't believe in it. He convinces us that we're smarter than we are. He tells us that if we can figure everything out on our own, or that we can figure everything out on our own, that we can quantify and qualify everything. And if something is too big or too complex for us to comprehend, well, it just can't exist. And when things are too big for us to comprehend, we either reduce them in our minds or we stop thinking about them altogether. One thought comes to my mind when people try to ponder creation and, and how complex it is. And you, know, you hear thoughts about evolution that it took hundreds of millions of years or billions of years. And any time they run into something that is too complex, they just add another billion years. And once they do that, they can just put it out of their mind and not worry about it anymore because it's, it just takes lots of time and anything can happen. But it isn't that they've actually figured out anything or explained anything. They just reduced it to a level that they could dismiss it. One of our major vices that plays into this deception and makes it so easy for Satan to convince us of these lies is our pride. None of us wants to admit that we don't know something. How many of us in one time or another in our life has uh, pretended that we know something that we don't know? I remember sitting in many a math class and being totally lost, but I wouldn't raise my hand and tell the teacher. I just was like, well, maybe I can figure it out at home. Maybe I can call somebody else that understands this that will be able to explain to me, but I'm not going to admit here that I don't know what she's talking about. Or how many of us have been in a conversation with someone on a topic that we happen to know something about, but it's obvious they don't have a clue what they're talking about, but just espouse like they do. And you're sitting there thinking, man, you don't have a clue. But you're polite enough not to embarrass them. 
It's because of our pride. We don't want to admit that there's something that we don't know or that there's something that we don't understand. We don't like to admit it and often we probably don't even realize it that we do it. But the truth is, all of us accept a multitude of things throughout our life that we don't understand. How many of us drive a car and about all we know is that occasionally it needs oil and you turn a key and it starts? There's plenty of people that know how it all works. But that person may know how a car works, but they don't know how a computer works. Or they don't know how the sun rises and sets. I've thought about the sun so many times throughout my life. How does it keep burning? And scientists will try to explain it. And they say these, you know, there's these atoms and they keep exploding and keep going. And it just keeps burning. And it's gone for, they say, millions of years. And there's no sign that it's going to burn out anytime soon. Yet we could start a fire with wood and give it a source. But within hours, it's going to be burnt out because it has no fuel. Yet we've got this light and millions upon millions and trillions of them in the sky that are burning without end because God said. And we can try to pretend that someone understands how it works, but the truth is they don't. They don't know. We don't even know how our bodies work. Doctors have have learned much about our bodies, but they haven't figured it all out yet. They're still practicing. They try a new medicine and they say, well, maybe this poison will kill the disease but let you live. It works sometimes. Let's give it another try. We'll try something new. And they practice and they put something else in and say, let's see what happens when we do this. Yet we pretend that we understand. But just because we don't fully understand or grasp God or all of creation for that matter doesn't mean that there isn't one true God who created the heavens and the earth. There was a philosopher in the 1800s by the name of Thomas Carlyle. And he tried to explain why humanity has a lack of wonder regarding creation and our inability to explain creation or life itself. And while these words were written almost 200 years ago, they still hold true today. He wrote this. He said, It's not by our superior insight that we escape the difficulty. Speaking of where did we come from? How does creation exist? He says, It is by our superior levity. And that word, we don't use that too often today. It means treating a serious matter with humor or in a manner lacking due respect or with our inattention or our want or lack of insight. It is by not thinking that we cease to wonder at creation. This world, after all our science and sciences, is still a miracle, wonderful, inscrutable, which means difficult to understand, magical, and more to whosoever will think about it. But we have to take the time to think about it. We have to take the time to think about our thoughts about God. He's saying that it isn't that we became so smart we figured everything out. Rather, he's saying we reduced things down and dismissed them. We fooled ourselves into believing we understand enough that we can disregard creation and God. But when we take the time to think on these things, or if we take the time to think on these things and to contemplate, 
contemplate creation and our thoughts on God, I assure you we will still be filled with awe and wonder. A.W. Tozer, referring to these words of Carlyle, said, Secularism, materialism, and the intrusive presence of things have put out the light in our souls and turned us into a generation of zombies. We cover our deep ignorance with words, but we are ashamed to wonder. We're afraid to whisper mystery. The interesting thing is these words were written over 60 years ago before any of the zombie movies came out, before computers were widespread, before the invention of the Internet, before the smartphone. Who thinks we, the, the phone may be smart, but I think it has the opposite effect on us. We don't think, we don't wonder because we're afraid to admit that even after thousands of years of advancement in science, there's still mystery in the world. We don't want to admit that we haven't figured out that there's still so many things that we cannot explain or understand or even comprehend because no one wants to admit they don't understand something. If we can't explain something or understand it, we'll just try not to think about it. And if we can't get it out of our mind, we'll occupy ourselves with a thousand distractions so that we don't have to think about it at all. The more time that we take to understand who God really is and seek revelation through the Holy Spirit, the things that will become more evident is how little we really know and understand. We will be filled with awe and wonder of who God is and at the creation that He has given us if we are true to ourselves and honestly set out our heart toward knowing God, we can't come to any other conclusion than He is who He says He is. The only way that we can get away from that truth is to ignore Him, to run away from Him, or just pretend that He doesn't exist at all. It's interesting that there's atheists in the world like Lee Strobel who set out to prove there is no God. But he became a Christian after he took the time to go through all the evidence. When he spent the time in study, in seeking, at the end of Lee's journey, the only thing he could do was come to the God that he had discovered. He could no longer ignore God. All the false arguments that he had built up came tumbling down when he encountered the truth. But it was because he took the time to look. Now we're going to take a few minutes and look at some passages that should help us elevate what comes into our mind when we think about Jesus Christ and God. These scriptures don't even begin to scratch the surface, but if you take time to read and study all of the descriptions and characteristics of God, your thoughts of Him will be elevated. We're going to start with Jesus Christ. Jesus said on multiple occasions that if we saw Him for who He truly was, then we would see the Father for who He is. And last week we looked at a passage in John chapter 8 where the Pharisees uh, would not believe that Jesus was the example of the Father. And Jesus said, you don't know Me because you don't know the Father. And this morning we're going to look quickly at John 14 where at least one of the disciples had the same problem as the Pharisees and Sadducees. 
In John chapter 14, verse 8, it says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. He was asking the same thing that the Pharisees and Sadducees were. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. I think that we could all agree that Jesus sounds a little frustrated with Philip. Look at the question that he asks him. How can you say, show us the Father? And his first question, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? So if we know Jesus, we know the Father. So who is Jesus? Hebrews 1 uh, verses 1 through 3 gives a great explanation of who Jesus Christ is. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image or the exact imprint of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's a high view of Jesus Christ the heir of all things through whom everything was created, the brightness of His glory, the express image, the exact imprint of His person, the one who upholds all things by the word of His power, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. We're going to look at a few of the passages also that show awe and amazement of the disciples and others that interacted with Jesus just in his presence. In Luke 5:26, after Jesus forgave the sins of a paralytic man and healed him, we read that amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. In Luke 7:16, Jesus raises a widow's son from the dead, and it says, Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. They recognized that they were in the presence of God himself. In Matthew 8, Jesus calmed the sea, and in verse 27, it's talking about the disciples. It says, The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. They were filled with awe and wonder. And when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden and they asked where Jesus was in John chapter 18, Jesus said to them, I am he. And it says they drew back and fell to the ground. Once again, Jesus set himself equal to God. And this response of I am is the same name that God gave Moses when he said, Who will I tell them sent me? And he says, Tell them that I am sent you. God has always been and always will be. And when Jesus said, I am he, the men that came to arrest him fell down to the ground in his presence in awe and wonder. 
And in Matthew 27:54, after Jesus died on the cross, it says, When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. So we can see just from a few passages that Jesus is worthy of our honor, of our worship, and our respect. He is worthy of a high view. And now we're going to quickly look at a few verses describing the Father. Jeremiah 10.6 says, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. 1 Chronicles 29.11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is Yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and You are exalted as head above all. Jesus, speaking of the Father in Matthew 5, said, Don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, for heaven is the throne of God, or by the earth, for the earth is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Take time to think about your thoughts about God and know that He is God and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Ephesians 1.19-20 says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places? And in Revelation 4.8 it says, The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. There's a worship song uh, based on those words that just says day and night, night and day. They sing, holy, holy, holy are you God. That's all they can say in His presence is be filled with awe and wonder in who He is and cry out, holy, holy, holy are you God who was and is and is to come. And Revelation 15.4 says, Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify Your name? For You alone are holy. All nations will come and worship You, for Your righteous acts have been revealed. Is God beyond our thoughts and understanding? Yes. But He has revealed Himself to us in a million different ways. And He's promised us that if we seek Him, we will find Him. And as we read last week in John 16:13, he sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And Hebrews 9:14 brings the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all the works that they've done in together in one verse. It says, "How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God?" Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, offered Himself without blemish to God the Father. If we allow the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation of who the Father and Son truly are, it will be impossible for us to have a low or casual view of God. 
if we're in his presence, if we see who he is, we will be like the Husseins crying out, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Don't run away from God. Don't dismiss him. Don't reduce him down to what we can understand because he's incomprehensible. He's indescribable. His ways are beyond our ways and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts. All we can do is cry out and ask himself to reveal himself as he truly is through the power and the truth of the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal Him to you for who He truly is. And if there is any thought about Him that you have in your heart that He reveals to be a lie, let Him tear it down. That we would have the view of only who He is and only who He has revealed Himself to be in His Son, Jesus Christ. Will you bow with me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We bow before you. We bring our hearts low, Lord, in honor and respect, Father, the due respect that you deserve, Lord. We humble ourselves in your presence, Lord. I pray that every time that we come into your presence, We would do it with honor and respect, Lord. Yes, we can come boldly into Your throne room of grace, Father, because of the work of Jesus Christ, but that hasn't changed who You are. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, righteous and holy, completely beyond our comprehension. Holy Spirit, reveal the truth of Jesus Christ and the Father to us. Tear down any false image that we've created. Let us be a witness of who you are to everyone that we encounter. Father, we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is a difficult thing uh, for me to understand how God could love someone as ignorant and sinful as myself. But taking time and silence to dwell on that wonder, as Chris pointed out this morning, puts us in the position to begin to receive from the Holy Spirit the understanding of how that's possible and how much He really does love us. Just take a minute this week, just like a minute this week longer than you did last week, in in God's presence and ask him how could you love me just just one minute more this week than you did last week it'll make all the difference in your life a couple announcements before you go at the bottom of our homepage newcovenantlandpasses.com is a banner that says get connected if you'd like to learn more about the church or if you'd like to learn about membership with new covenant click on that link follow the easy steps everything is right there online it's not complicated There's really not even a test. So, I mean, it's easy. If you're part of our online congregation as well, there is a a tab in our menu for giving. So if you'd like to follow along with us online and be a part of the church and give, you can go there as well. Starting next week, overflow parking will be available.
to the east of the building behind Golden Chick. Everybody knows where Golden Chick is? So if it's full over here or if you don't want to navigate all the pedestrians going between the buildings, you can go over to Golden Chick and just go walk through just this much grass and you'll be over New Covenant property. And we're thankful that the owner of that property has allowed us to do that. Uh, a couple of dates for you. This Saturday, June 19th from 2.30 to 5 is our volunteer appreciation party. So if you have volunteered in any capacity at New Covenant, we would like to say thank you and show you a great time for you and your immediate family at Camp Triumph in Copper's Cove. Uh, the address is available outside, and uh, it's 2.30 to 5. There will be snacks, waters, swimming, water slides, go-karts. It's a good time. I, I, I'm looking forward to it, and, and I'm going to win because I'm the best go-kart driver. And, 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 and don't forget, next Sunday, June 20th, is Father's Day. Some of you knew. Mike knew. Father's Day next week. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you that you are so patient and willing to walk with us through our own misunderstanding and our own wonder. Holy Spirit, speak to us this week as we spend time with you. Show us who the Father really is and show us, more importantly, who we are because of who he is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 